Good morning. I'm going to be reading two verses, Mark 1.1 and then Mark 10.45. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. For even the Son of Man came not came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God. Thank you, God. You may be seated. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer. Um, While uh, the kids are making their way back to class, you guys are getting comfortable. I do want to just let you know, um, one of our our members is skilled and gifted in photography and videography, and um, we have some outdated images and videos on our website and our social media. Also, the Redeemer Network, this network we're a part of, has asked us for some images and some videos to share um, with uh, everyone else in the network. And so we've, we've got one of our church members who's going to be taking pictures mostly of what's happening up here. Um, and so don't, I hope, don't worry that you guys, will, your faces will be plastered around on our social media. That's not the goal. Um, uh, but you, you'll probably see Sean, guy with the camera, in here and probably out in the hallway. Uh, and if you really just don't want your face anywhere, you can just say, hey, can you, can you avoid me? And maybe like wear a, a neon armband or something that, that just stands out and is awkward in photos. But uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that. The, the whole purpose for that is really to serve our network. They've asked for that, but also to update. Um, it's been probably a year and a half since we have uh, updated some of those images and videos, so we wanted to do that. But um, we're going to be reintroducing Mark. So we spent some time in Mark last year, right before Easter, and we ended that on Easter, and we went into Joshua. And so Mark is going to be one of those books that we kind of turn on and turn off We uh, leave and come back to, and the purpose for that is because St. Angelo is a pretty transient town. I know most of you probably feel like you've been stuck here forever, but the reality is we have a lot of college students, we have a lot of military, we have a lot of people that come and go, and so our hope in preaching through books like Joshua and then going to Mark, we're in Colossians, we'll be in the Psalms later, our hope in doing that is that if you spend two years here or three years or four years here, our hope is that you would get a good breadth of Scripture in your time with us. And so we'll be in Mark until August. Um, we do have some Scripture journals on the way. We ordered those, so uh, if you uh, don't have a journal or maybe you just want to read along and take notes or maybe you want to read along at home and take notes on your own thoughts, we're going to have some Scripture journals next Sunday out uh, just outside these doors, maybe some at the connect table as well. Um, But one of the things that we started with Mark, if you read in verse one, it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus. Now, the word gospel directly translated means good news. Um, That word gospel is not super familiar in our vernacular, but we know what good news is. Right? We all survived the pandemic, and so we know what good news is, and we know what bad news is. We're all familiar with bad news. We're all familiar. We probably still feel the pain of some of that bad news we got in 2020, right? So we, we're very familiar with bad news, 
And this, the last three years being so full of bad news has kind of conditioned us um, to be skeptics, that any news we get now uh, is either going to be fake news or it's going to be bad news. And so we approach new information with skepticism, maybe a little bit of hope for some of us, but we kind of come into it just wondering, how is this going to break my heart? How is this going to ruin my life? And we play it out and we think ahead. Um, but during the pandemic, while we were all desperate for good news, something uh, kind of refreshing came out of that. Do you guys remember John Krasinski starting the Some Good News channel, SGN? He'd sit there with a sign that his kids made behind him and um, wearing a suit jacket and uh, like bathing suit shorts, hopefully. But he started these videos to try and give us some uplifting, positive, encouraging news of cute babies doing cute things, animals doing cute things, funny stories about like what normal life in the pandemic was, even though nothing was really normal. But it was also videos of, um, and stories of people being kind to one another. One of the things that uh, is most seared to my memory is the, the, uh, about halfway through 2020 when people finally could like be within arm's reach of each other and there were these two kids who were best friends and hadn't seen each other in months. And they ran up to each other on the sidewalk and they just stopped six feet apart. And they were so excited to see one another. And that, that just felt so encouraging. It was like, man, I want to go stand six feet from somebody I care about outside. Um, but we, we find ourselves even today, we're in a different place with COVID, thankfully, but we still find ourselves today receiving a lot of bad news. A lot of us have experienced loss in the last three years, whether it's been the loss of friends, loss of loved ones, loss of uh, friendships, relationships, loss of jobs, loss of churches. We still feel that pain while we're ongoing receiving more and more bad news. And if you turn on the TV, there's a few channels that just... That's all they do. They just hand out bad news. We become more and more afraid. We become more and more desperate for good news. We become more and more hurt. Our imaginations become harmed and our souls grow hopeless. And so I just want to ponder for a second this morning. What would be good news to you? What would sound like good news? What would bring you relief? Now, most of us in this room are conditioned that when the guy with the microphone standing on stage asks that question, our response is Jesus. And that is true. That's actually where we're going today. But just imagine yourself sitting in a coffee shop with a friend, sitting in your living room with a loved one. And they asked you, what was good news to you today? What kind of good news are you wanting to hear? And they just sat quietly and waited for your response. What would you say? Now, take that thought and, and for just a minute be willing to ask yourself, what if, 
What if God knows what I need better than what I know I need? What if God knows what good news would be to me more than what I know what good news would be? Just ponder that for a second. Because Mark 1.1 tells us that the gospel of Jesus is better news than whatever it is you just thought of. And some of you are thinking of some pretty great things. I know some of you are thinking, man, the cancer's gone. That's good news. Your son or your daughter has received the gospel. That's good news. But what if Mark 1.1 is better news? This is the message that, that Mark is writing to this church uh, in Rome, experiencing deep, deep oppression, serious persecution that none of us will probably ever experience. He's writing to this church to remind them that their hope is in Jesus alone, because there's lots of things that they could have said would be good news to them. And Mark begins, Jesus is the only good news that we need Now, the story of Mark is telling us, and we see this in Mark 1.1, we see this in Mark 8.34 and Mark 10.45. And I'll use those three scriptures if you want to write those down as kind of our structure today. Mark 1.1, Jesus is good news. Mark 8.34, repent and believe. And Mark 10.45, Who are we repenting and believing in? Who are we repenting for and believing in? Our suffering servant, Savior. Jesus is good news. Repent and believe in the suffering servant, Savior. That's our main thought. Jesus is good news. Repent and believe in the suffering servant, Savior. But that's also our structure, okay? Now, Mark's gospel is the oldest of the four gospel stories. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark is the oldest. It's the fundamental, foundational gospel story. It's actually the gospel story that Matthew and Luke got a lot of their information from and used the structure to then write their own gospel according to their perspective and according to the message for the people to whom they were writing. And so Mark... Um, comes to us as this old, old story, but also comes to us as incredibly reliable. If you look at the scholarship on Mark, most, and, and when I say most, I'm saying, I really am saying all, there are very few outliers. And so I can't just say 100%. I was, I'm a trained scientist, so nothing's ever 100%. It's always 99.9, like on a Lysol can. It kills 99.9% of germs. Mark is incredibly reliable. Almost every scholar agrees that it's trustworthy, that it's dependable, that it, what it says is true because it corroborates with so many other stories. It's historically accurate. And so what we get in this piece of news in Mark is something old and reliable, which comes to us as something refreshing, right? 
When we're surrounded by misinformation, we're surrounded by fear-mongering news channels trying just to raise our anxiety level just enough that we would keep watching, that they would promise a little bit of response and answer and hope for us just so that we won't turn to the other news channel and see maybe that what they have is better. They monetize our fear. They monetize our attention and our emotions like it's currency. And we're used to this by now, aren't we? And so what Mark brings to us, because Mark is not misinformation. Scripture is not misinformation. When we turn the news on today, guess what? It might change tomorrow. And if it's not tomorrow, it's going to be next week. It's going to be next year. It's shifting. But also its purposes are shifting Because we hear things like, oh, we're unbiased. We're bipartisan. We want to tell the truth. But then we find out later that that isn't true now and may never have been true. And so Mark comes to us as something old and reliable, something trustworthy and enduring. And this is true of all of Scripture. What the Holy Spirit has to say to us will not change. And we're given it in Scripture. Scripture is not misinformation. Scripture also is not fragile and brittle. It doesn't change and it cannot be found false. No matter how hard everyone else out in the world tries, Scripture does not contradict itself. Scripture cannot be found false. But instead... It brings to us news of how our needs are being met. It brings to us news that satisfies the longings, the desires of our souls. It brings to us news um, that makes it all the way down into the marrow of our bones, the deepest parts of us, the things that we know to be most true about ourselves in the world. And its answer, its news to us is that there's hope, that there's life for what we thought was dead. In Scripture, we have hope. And in Scripture, in Mark, we have good news. So what I want to focus our time on this morning, but also for the rest of the book of Mark is what do we focus on when we read this gospel this, this spring and summer, when we come back to it again in the future? What are we reading? What are we trying to get? Did you guys ever read those books in high school? Um, I, the one that stands out to me the most, probably there's two, The Grapes of Wrath and um, The Things They Carried. I'm sure they're great books. I love reading. I love history books. Uh, I love the historical fiction. I, I love reading. I have to qualify that because what I'm about to say is me from high school. When you're in high school, do you remember being forced to read these books? And you're just like, dude, I don't know what's going on. And so your teacher asks you these questions in the middle of class, and you have classmates that's like, they say something, you're like, they just made that up off the top of their head. And your teacher's like, no, that's right, good job, yes, exactly. And they get the A on the test, and you're just like, what is going on? 
That's how I felt reading the Grapes of Wrath, reading um, the things they carried. And a lot of times we approach Scripture that way, right? We get bored easy. That's okay. Because we don't know what we're reading. We don't know what to look for, what the author is intending to communicate. And so what Mark is intending to communicate to us is that Jesus is good news. We think about what good news means to us. That's why I asked you that question. And then Mark says, but Jesus is the best news. But it also, as we walk throughout Mark, we're going to be reminded of ways to repent repent of our sin. And so we're going to be shown things that we must repent of. We have to be willing to confess that we need to repent. We do sin. We are sinners. We actively sin. That's a part of who we are that we can't just ignore. It does not define and end our identity in Christ, but it is a reality that we have something to repent of, but that Jesus gives us someone to believe in. Repent and believe in who he is, is is this, this shining cornerstone of the gospel, that Jesus is the suffering servant savior. So as you read, this is the first thing that I want you to to write down, and I, I hope that you'll be reading through Mark just constantly as we go through it, You don't have to be exactly where we are, but just read it constantly at whatever pace you want to and constantly ask this question, how is Jesus good news? That's what Mark says in in verse one. That's where he wants your attention to be. How is Jesus good news? So with any news, even good news, A response is required. It's pretty simple. You do it thoughtlessly. You either accept it or you reject it. You receive the good news and live as if it's true, or you reject it and deny it, right? Um, We're familiar with this because I saw some people nodding when I was talking about news channels and what they do to us. We, We have that friend who will come and tell us something and we just have to remind ourselves, okay, remember who's telling you this. (laughs) Don't buy it yet. Let's wait it out and see. We all have that friend. And the classic, like if you look around and you don't have that friend, you are that friend. (laughs) Or not. What does Jesus say? After we learn uh, the very first verse of Mark that Jesus is good news, and then we turn to him for the very first thing he says, Mark 1.15. What's the very first thing Jesus says? Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is here. The restoration of all creation is here. The garden coming back into the desert. Life coming back into the bones the dry bones, water coming back into a parched land, life coming to the dead, light coming to the darkness. It's here. You don't have to wait anymore. It's here. Repent and believe it. Turn 
from your sin, turn from following your desires. That's what it means to repent. It's just to turn away from all the stuff that kills you and just receive the good news and live like it's true. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, like I said before, the Gospel of Mark will constantly remind us how we need to repent. But then it will also give us someone to believe in, something to replace our desires with, someone to stand in the place of our former identity as sinner condemned. That now we stand in his place as son or daughter accepted. So when we repent, we have to believe or we will always go back to that way of living. Jesus is good news. Repent and believe in the suffering servant savior. And so where uh, repent and believe came from the mouth of Jesus in Mark 1.15, well, in Mark 10.45, again, the mouth of Jesus after, so this Mark works in, in like this mountain kind of image. The first uh, eight-ish chapters of Mark is this, this ascension, Jesus proclaiming to the world who he is. Mark is the, the story of Jesus' public ministry. And so it's this rise of, of who Jesus is, Mark 8, 34, the pinnacle. He's told us everything he needs to tell us about who he is, who to believe in. The pinnacle is Mark 8, 34. And it's, it says, if you're gonna follow me, then just follow me. And as we follow him down the mountain, what do we see? A suffering servant savior. This glorious king, this amazing God, this man who lives perfection is who we see on the way up. And who we see on the way down is no different. It's just a different side of him is this suffering servant savior. And to follow him, we gotta tell ourselves no. And we gotta tell Jesus yes. Jesus says in Mark 10, 45, the son of man came not to be served like we always want to be served but to serve. Can you imagine Jesus coming and saying to no one, serve me. Give me this thing. Having no false motives behind his good actions that would then turn back on him. Having no desire for people to think of him in a certain light. Having no sin Nothing in him that longs to gain something from others. There's no codependence in Jesus. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so where we're gonna go next, we're gonna slow down. We're gonna focus our attention on this, this uh, three-part um, main idea, Jesus being good news. What does scripture say about Jesus being good news in Mark? And then how do we repent and believe in the suffering servant savior? And I'm gonna walk through these three themes of Mark. Jesus is suffering, Jesus is serving, and Jesus as savior. And we're gonna listen to what scripture has to say about um, what it says with our repentance and belief. And so the very first thing Mark calls our attention to 
is Jesus suffering. Not the very first thing that Mark calls our attention to. The very first thing I want to call our attention to is Jesus suffering. Now, we already talked about Mark 8, 34. Jesus calls us to, to tell ourselves no, to deny ourselves. He says, if you're going to follow me, then follow me. Where am I going? I'm going to the cross. And Jesus repeats on the way down the mountain, hey, guys, I'm going to die. Are you following me? Are you still following me? Or we have less people. Guys, I'm going to die. Are you still following me? We have even less people. And that's the walk down the hill. Matthew 16, he also says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. If we're constantly pursuing salvation of ourselves, earning our own salvation or meeting our own needs, fulfilling our own desires, confusing our needs for wants or confusing our wants for needs, we're going to lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So how does Jesus' suffering call us to repent and believe? Well, Jesus' suffering calls us to repent of living life on our own terms. Repent and believe. Stop pursuing your own way of living and follow me. Whatever, whatever we think would be good news to us, we can, we can have those thoughts and ideas. We can consider those and pray for those and ask Jesus for those things. But it's not our job to chase after them. We build, our, we build our own kingdoms. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is coming, what he's calling us to repent of is building up our own kingdoms in pursuit of life on our own terms, in finding our own needs met, in confusing oh, well, I need this thing. Well, actually, really, that's a want, but I'm going to chase it anyway. We build our whole world around this, and you will not see that Jesus is worth believing until you see you need to repent. So Jesus' suffering calls us to believe that the only way to truly find life is to follow the path of Jesus. Mark 8, 34. Whoever wants to follow me, you must deny yourself. Tell yourself no. Pick up your cross. Suffer with me. You already have the suffering. Acknowledge it, embrace it, and just depend on me in it. And follow me. And we don't follow people who are not with us. The implication of Jesus saying, follow me, is that he's right in front of us, that he's with us. So we repent of doing life on our own terms, and we believe in this Savior who suffered before us, who went ahead of us into suffering so that we could follow him through it. You guys know Psalm 23? It says, um, you lead me on the paths of righteousness for your namesake. How amazing and smashed up against that is the very next verse that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
The path of righteousness for the sake of the glory of God is through the valley of the shadow of death. But fear no evil because he's with you. Mark calls our attention to Jesus serving. Calls our attention to his suffering. We repent of constructing lives around avoiding suffering. And we believe in the suffering of Jesus for our sake. And then the next thing, Mark calls our attention to Jesus serving. One thing that I hear people say a lot about uh, when, when they think they got Jesus figured out, um, especially people whose hearts have been hardened and maybe they're bitter towards the church, is like, Jesus is just a wimp. Like he says, turn the other cheek. The dude was God. He could have taken himself off the cross, which was an accusation thrown at him on the cross. Don't get Jesus wrong. Jesus is God. He's full of authority. Mark makes that very clear throughout the book, especially in the first eight chapters, when he tells creation what to do. When there's men bound in chains their whole lives because people are terrified of them, and Jesus simply looks at him and says, come out. And he is transformed. Jesus is not weak. Don't confuse his humility and his meekness for weakness and powerlessness. It is very clear that Jesus does have ultimate authority. He is creator God. But what we should do is pay attention to how Jesus uses his authority. We're used to people in authority using it to abuse, using it to oppress, using it to objectify people. And what does Jesus do? He serves. He loves. Jesus serving calls us to repent of giving in and following our desires and expectations to be served, of constructing our own kingdoms of ways that we can be served. We got tired of depending on people for this because people fail us, so we build robots to do it. We've constructed kingdoms of self-service that we must repent of. And so we'll look throughout the book of Mark How can we repent of constantly pursuing self-service? Jesus serving calls us to believe that he alone fulfills and satisfies our souls. For what purpose? What does Jesus say the greatest commandment is? To love God and to love others when we find all of our needs being met in Jesus, and we say that first line of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another way to say that is, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. When we find that to be true, then we can serve and love others. There's this expectation, this theme throughout the book of Mark that Jesus isn't who we think he is. He's not the authority figure that we think he is. Because of what we're used to, 
We think that Jesus is going to come in and build this this, um, kingdom of prosperity, this tangible kingdom. The disciples constantly were like, okay, so when are you going to overthrow Caesar? When are you going to take Herod out? And Jesus is like, that's not it, man. You're not listening. I got to die. They thought good news was Rome being dealt with. But Jesus said, good news is actually your sin and the sin of all people being dealt with. We will one day have a tangible, prospering kingdom where we are in relationship with one another in harmony. We're in relationship with God in harmony. But not yet. Right now, this kingdom is spiritual. Our relationship with God and one another has been made possible to be in harmony. It's not been perfected yet. We're still waiting for that tangible kingdom. But Jesus says, first, I have something better. What sounds like good news to you, and there's a better news that comes first, and that's a spiritual kingdom. And so we repent of building these self-serving kingdoms to make a tangible place where our souls can be satisfied, where our flesh can find comfort, where our minds can find peace. We repent of building our own kingdoms and we believe that Jesus has come to give us first a spiritual kingdom and that one day he will bring us into a real physical, we can touch it and see it and feel it kingdom in perfect harmony and union with our Father and one another. Mark calls our attention to Jesus suffering, to Jesus serving, and then also lastly to Jesus' salvation. The best news of all. This is the news that will not ever become old news. Jesus' suffering and serving ultimately being displayed on the cross. And the love of God was broken and poured out in his Son to save our souls from the opposite of that tangible kingdom, eternal condemnation and separation from our Father. Jesus' salvation calls us to repent of something that I think we know we should repent of, but will take our entire lives to truly understand how deep-rooted it is, and that's earning our own salvation. Jesus' salvation calls us to repent of seeking to earn our own salvation. We're all legalists. We make the Pharisees in this book out to be the bad guys. We have to realize we are the Pharisees. We're the Gentiles. We're the Pharisees. We're the disciples. We're actually less frequently the disciples. We always, in our flesh, will first think, How can I earn? And it's not a conscious thought. It happens by nature. So we're always willing to perform for God. And he doesn't give us what we think we earned. We're mad at him. Jesus' salvation calls us to repent of our tendency to try, to strive, to do enough to earn salvation. And Jesus' salvation calls us to believe that Forgiveness and life forever with God is freely given to us. This is not news 
you've got to earn, that you've got to work out to actually find whether or not it's true. This is news you simply receive. You receive it. You believe it and you live like it's true. Now I want to say, I want to clarify something. Something that um, was this change in my mind. Um, Really, a few years ago, when I first really started digging into Mark, Jesus never says, repent and agree. I... It, it helps me when I say something good and you guys nod your heads and you say things. I want more of that, all right? Kimberly's really good at it. I see there's people in the back that are really good at it. I, that's good and helpful. But Jesus doesn't say repent and agree. He says repent and believe. What's the difference? We can know something to be true, We can say, yeah, I think that's right, or I was taught that, or I don't want to be on the wrong side, so I'm going to say yes to that right now. Belief is different. Belief is when it starts to change your insides and becomes a part of who you are. And we learn a lesson from a story in Mark of this father desperate for his son to be healed. He says, Jesus, would you? Heal my son. And Jesus says, will I? I will if you believe. And the guy says, I believe. Help my unbelief. He has a humility to say to the man who says, believe in me, help my unbelief. And Jesus heals him, his son. To believe is to always look for the answer to the question, how is Jesus good news for me today? To disbelieve, to repent and agree is to not continue to look for the answer. It's to say, oh yeah, I know what the answer is. Somebody told me. I found it out. But it's to constantly, perpetually be looking for the answer to how is Jesus good news? When you wake up in the morning, you ask yourself, how is Jesus good news? And then you open the scriptures and you find the answer. You pray and you find the answer. To believe is also to surround yourself with brothers and sisters who can remind you of this because you're gonna forget and it's gonna get hard. That's why we launched our groups. Because I'm gonna use that Bonhoeffer quote that um, Britt doesn't have on the computer this week, but the Christ in you is unsure, but the Christ in your brother is sure. That's why we surround our people ourselves with people who believe, that can remind us. And so pray for two things. Pray for yourself in this church. Pray that we would repent and believe. And the third thing, or the second thing, I know numbers. (laughs) Who cares if I do? Pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive the Spirit's gentle correction and restoration in the book of Mark. Pray that we would listen to the Spirit first not what we think we know, and that we repent and believe. And I say pray for yourself and pray for the church, because it's not just you here. We're a collective people. This book was written for us. 
And so um, we're going to go to our time of communion here. We have communion on the sides. We have communion in the back. The bread um, in the trays is always gluten-free. And there's juice in the silver trays, probably watered down. Um, If you believe that Jesus, our suffering servant, Savior, is good news, and come to the table. The good news is that his body was broken. That's why we eat the bread. That his blood was poured out. That's why we drink from the cup. And we do this together because it wasn't just for me that he died. It wasn't just for you that he died. But it was so that we all together would be unified in belief. As we take the cup and the bread, we repent Repent of building your own kingdoms of self-service, of avoiding suffering, of earning salvation, and then receive it. Receive the good news. We do this together. We do this at the same time because of the message it sends. Just if you're, if you're lacking and you're wanting some encouragement about this, before you take the elements, just look around. You're going to see people praying. You're going to see families huddled together, taking the elements together. That's why we do it. We do it because we worship Jesus. Because Jesus is good news. Repent and believe in our suffering servant and savior. Band, you can come up and I'm gonna pray. God, we thank you that you've given us your son. We thank you that you've saved our souls, that you suffered for us, that you served us in ways that we constantly fail to serve one another in ways that we are constantly thinking we can earn the salvation that you give us. And so, God, we repent this morning. Would you help us to repent? And we turn to you in faith. Would you help us to believe? As we take the the cup and the bread and we confess our sin to you and to one another, as we confess our belief in you, in front of one another. God, would you restore our souls? Would you give us more of your spirit? Let us know that you're with us. And let us worship you this morning, God. We pray these things in the name of your son that you've given to suffer and serve for us. Amen.